Open LinkedIn on any given day and you'll find at least one post about being rejected or ghosted by recruiters. And not just at one company, people have stories of being rejected dozens or even hundreds of times. That's crazy. It's enough to make even the most determined, persistent striver give up and just stay at home. But that's not really a great outcome because at the end of the day, moving jobs on a reasonable frequency brings you more exposure, more learning, better prospects, and of course, more money. And all these are magnified if you move to growth companies. Why? Because unlike mature organizations where the priority is stability, these smaller players are always on the move, always learning, improving, innovating. Many of them also operate on the cutting edge, which is they're shaping the future. Which is why career growth at these companies tends to be faster and the learning exponential. Which makes such employees more valuable to the rest of the world. And so these are natural destinations for early career professionals who are looking to make their mark. But in a world where people are being ghosted or rejected hundreds of times, even at traditional companies, how does one actually stand out in the crowd of applicants? What's really happening behind the scenes after you submit your resume? How does one get a foot in the door of an exciting early stage company? So today we are chatting with Andrew Kim, erstwhile startup super recruiter and currently the founder CEO of Find. That's Find with a Y. He's going to help us break down what it takes to get into a happening early stage company and also share a little bit of what happens on the inside. So you have a better sense of why you might have been rejected or ghosted in the past. And before we get into it, a couple of quick reminders. If you like this episode, please follow or subscribe. We have a ton of great content coming out this year and I'm sure you won't want to miss out on it. Second, if you need a recap after the episode, feel free to head over to crazytalk.online to read the full transcript and also brush up on anything you might have missed. So with that said, Andrew, welcome to Job Talk. It's a pleasure to have you here with us today. And maybe if you like, we could start with a short intro. Tell us about your career so far and also let us know a little bit about Find. It sounds quite interesting. Sure. Well, thank you so much for having me here today, Amit. It's great to be here on your show and sharing my experience, you know, things that I've seen, I've experienced before. All right. Well, a little bit about me. I have about 10 plus years of recruiting experience. I was with Uber um, when they first you know, came to APAC early 2013. I was with them for five years. So when I first joined the company, we were about 400 people company. Five years wow. later, we were about 22,000 people. Yeah, uh, amazing. Pretty, yeah, we both have seen some crazy growth and it was a fun ride for sure. So yeah, I was managing uh, our APEC uh, recruiting team there. And then I moved to Cloud Kitchens, which was founded by ex-Uber founder, Travis. So I was the first person in APEC on the ground. And yeah, did the whole thing again, building the team and scaling the business and then recruiting, all, uh, obviously. And then I spent about two years there. And early 2020, I decided to um, you know start my own journey. And Fine was actually born because of all the pains that I've seen, I've, I've experienced personally with uh, these two startups. As, as a startup, people don't really know who we are and they really don't understand 
why they need to join our company. And we, we depend on inbound applications and very traditional sort of recruiting methods. It just didn't work. Mm. So we had to figure out a totally different way to attract talent. And that was us reaching out to the people that, that we need. And but these people typically are very happy where they are right now. They're not <laughs> actively looking out. These people don't spend a lot of time drafting their CV. So we, we had to do a lot of, of outbound uh, reach out. And we were pretty successful because we were telling our stories. Over time, we sort of understood how to tell our stories more effectively to potential candidates. And again, the result was amazing. And, and that's basically how Fine was born. And I wanted to create a platform whereby high growth startups will be able to tell their stories to the right group of people. Mm. So Find is an invite only community that helps our members who are top quality talent engage in very private and intimate conversations with top startups and professionals. So we pre-screen our members and those who meet our sort of criteria will be getting an invite code to join our platform. And they just need to sit tight. Top startups will reach out to them and will tell their stories to them. And our members will have access to very exclusive insider information about the team, culture, growth, opportunities that are not typically shared online, right? And you get to hear directly from the employees of these high growth startups. So wow. uh, what I tell our members is, you need to be very active, passive job seeker. So that's basically, you know, what Fine is all about. That's pretty clever, actually, Andrew. Essentially, you're saying that this is a group of curated people whom companies would love to hire and it's kind of pre-screened and all of that. And then companies come to actually tell their story and they can say it more honestly and transparently because it's not like a blog post on the internet. Exactly, exactly. The biggest pain point, like when I ask companies, what's your biggest pain point is the people that we want to hire will not come to us first. So that's their biggest pain point. So when I ask talent side, the professionals, what's your biggest pain point in job searching? They say transparency and information. They don't have enough information. They don't have enough transparency. They don't understand what's happening behind the scenes. They don't know exactly what they're thinking, what they are looking for. It's not super clear. So that's always a problem. So what we are trying to do is we are trying to bridge the gap by creating a space for them to really come and openly talk about themselves. And, and as you said, it's a very curated group of people. So the quality is sort of checked and guaranteed. Okay, got it. So this is pretty interesting. But for those who are, let's say, the broader community or the broader group of professionals who may not have yet been able to work in a tech startup and kind of be that desirable profile and so on, how do they actually get into these hot and happening startups? so that they can actually start building their own profile. So maybe for a start, how does a person even know how to identify a good startup or the right place to apply? Right. As a recruiter, I mean, I think it's, it's easier to sort of explain how recruiters look for talent. We start from a lot of research, right? What kind of people, so before we even do research, we understand what kind of people do we even need? So we need to really think about what kind of people do we even need and how many people do we even need, right? And then, so then why are these people? Where can we find them? And then we go to them and we start telling our stories. And I think for talent, 
trying to identify, trying to look for, trying to understand which are the good companies, they need to do the exact same, same thing. They need to first understand, what do I need? What do I want? So that's the first thing that they need to do. The secondly, so where are these companies then, right? And, and the, what I recommend is, you know, now we have LinkedIn, Google, Reddit, Twitter. I mean, we have a lot of different channels that we use every day. And you can easily set your interest on your social media. Like you can put startup or tech, and these are sort of, sort of the keywords that you can set. And they will feed you with a lot of information, right? Whatever, whenever there is a related article, it will, it will pop up in your feed. And then you don't just ignore it, but you read it through. And if you like it, then, you know, you can put it in your folder. And what I would do is do some research about the company, right? And, and try to understand what's their business model and what's they're trying to do in this market. And go to Google, go to Reddit. And these are the things, places that you can find a bunch of information. And also what I would do is I, yeah, we also apply for YC. We didn't get in this time. But there are a bunch of amazing companies out there, right? Within YC Network. Mm. And they're, they're doing really, really well in the US. And a lot of them are actually you know, trying to expand their market to APAC. So these are some of the companies that you can also find. And you don't have to wait for them to actually come to you, but you can actually go to them. Because a lot of companies, a lot of startups, when you ask them, what's your recruiting strategy? Like when are you trying to enter our market? Mm. A lot of cases, their answer is when we find the right people, you know, okay. <laughs> for the market, then we'll go. So instead of for them to actually come to the market, you can actually go to them and say, hey, I've been researching, I've been learning a lot about you, I read about your company, it's super interesting, and I know that you guys are interested in coming to APAC, or maybe you should even consider APAC, and I can help you, right? So the other way around, you can also approach them. And also go to Google and just type hottest startups to watch out. You know, there are a bunch of websites and articles that you can find and you'll be surprised there's so many amazing companies out there that you never heard of or maybe you've heard of before but you never really got to really look into it so these are some of the places that you can find good startups and then once you identify these names then what do you do you need to proactively reach out to them and which we can actually talk about it uh, later a little little more yeah okay that's interesting. So essentially, you're saying that to identify a good startup to work for, you almost have to think uh, like an investor in some way, right? If you would be willing to invest in that startup, you would be willing to work at that startup, kind of. So, so that's where your point about searching Reddit and Twitter and Y Combinator and so on, to look for those kinds of companies that, that have some traction and some presumably good prospects. Right. And a lot of people also ask me, how do you even identify a good startup to work for? You know, when you know I was at Uber and Cloud Kitchens, when we reach out to people and try to pitch Uber and Cloud Kitchens at when when we didn't have a lot of sort of, of you know so-called branding, right? And people they need to think about, I mean, it's it's a big investment for them. They have a really stable job, they're getting paid really well, and now certainly they are asked to join this startup that they've never heard of before. And they need to understand whether or not they'll be able to spend the next four years here at least, right? Then that's a big risk. So then which means they really need to think as an investor, am I willing to invest my time, my effort, my energy into this company for the next four years? Well, then obviously 
you need to think from the investor's investor's perspective, right? And also, I also I have gone through this stage as well. And when we were trying to raise money for fine, I, I spoke to so many different VCs. They always want to know a few things in common, like a few things, right? Founding members, who are the members? Do you really understand this area really well? And what's your business model? What's the attraction like? You know, these are very, very important things, right? And you as, as a candidate, you also need to ask the exact, exact same thing. Who are the founding members? Am I able to really work with these guys 20 hours a day, right? What problem are they really trying to solve? And whether do I really understand the problem well, or is it in line with my vision, right? And what some of the investors that are backing them up, right? Because I think that's also very important. A lot of people who don't really have a lot of great experience at a startup, probably it's because of the financial issues, right? And I think it's very important that uh, those startups that you want to work for do have good investors who are backing them up too, right? So I think these are uh, some of the things that you as a candidate should ask even before, even before put your CV, you know, across to them. Yeah, actually, a very valuable point, Andrew, because one is why on earth should anybody join a startup anyway? I mean, one is for the learning, the other is for the money. I mean, you're joining for future you know, wealth creation. So it is important to do your due diligence like an investor, because if you are going to make money, or rather you need to know the prospects that you're going to make money. Otherwise, you should probably pick something else or a stable company where you'll get cash compensation versus the stock. So I think that's a valid point and it's important for people to think that way, which is it's not, I mean, you as the candidate also are bringing value to the table. So it's not just that you need to beg and plead to get in, you actually are bringing value. So the company and you should are in a partnership in this whole thing. Absolutely. You know, startup is a very big word, right? There are so many types of startups under one startup sort of you know, keyword, right? We also need to understand what stage am I most comfortable with? Am I okay with sort of garage stage when they are trying to figure out the product market fit? They're testing every day and figuring it out whether it works or not works. But if it works, then how do we scale it? If it doesn't work, then what, how do we, you know, fix it? Are you good, like, you know, at the stage? And do you really enjoy all these activities that you get to do? Or do you maybe prefer more scale, like putting process in place, putting things in place, or building the process, or understand how to sort of track things and how to use data to scale to the next stage. If you are more comfortable with that kind of stage, then you understand, you know that probably joining a more series B, C type of startups is much better than pre-seed or like even seed round, right? A company. Yeah. Actually, a wise person who will go unnamed had told me once that the sweet spot is where the risk and the reward are sort of, the reward is out of proportion to the risk. So exactly like you said, when if you're trying to join a seed stage, seed stage company, the risk is high. The reward, of course, is high, but the chances of failure are pretty high. Versus if you join a company that is like got 5,000 people already, the risk is very low, but the reward is also pretty low. So the right stage might well be, like you said, series B or C, where there are a few hundred people, something like that, perhaps, mm -hmm. which sort of for most people meets the right risk reward risk, risk reward trade off. 
But like you said, if you're the kind of person who's comfortable with ambiguity, chaos, etc., join an early stage one and take the bet, but know that you're taking a bet. But then the trade the the reward could be exponential. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so now that let's say you've identified or shortlisted a bunch of companies through all of this research, how does one actually reach out to them or get in touch? Right, we talked about looking at this from a recruiter's perspective, right? like how recruiters actually build their, you know, talent pipeline, so to speak, right? So they first identify what kind of people they need and they try to look for those people. Where are they? You know, where do they hang out? And you sort of understand the channels that you need to, you know, reach out to them, right? And and then you proactively, you know, tell your stories to them, right? And you exactly need to do the same thing as a candidate. You build a list of companies that you are interested. We, we talked about how you get these names, right, earlier. And now you need to proactively reach out to them, but don't just reach out and copy and paste those messages. I also received a bunch of copy and paste sort of messages on LinkedIn, and recruiters are very, very busy. Trust me, there are a lot of people, you know, sort of complain that, oh, I don't hear back from them, or I don't get any feedback. It's not like they don't want to give you feedback, or it's not like they don't like to get in touch with you. It's just they're so swapped with a lot of different stuff. That's why you need to be very get to the point and really sweet and short, right, with your messages, but also very impactful. So what I do is I need to do some research, right, about the company and the job that I'm interested in. And the best way is just read carefully the JD and then identify the keywords that you see in this JD. And these are the keywords that you should include in your message, right? And then get their the recruiter's attention right away. And then what I would do is it's also numbers game, right? I would do two company research at a week, which means like every week I identify a bunch of different companies in my list. But every week I will try to go deeper on two companies, understand their their history, their business model, their growth, and any interesting articles about these two companies. And then what I would do is I go to LinkedIn. And then just type the company name and you'll get to see the, the people, jobs and different tabs. But under people tab, when you click the people tab, you get to see the people who are working for that particular company. And I encourage my friends to actually send at least 10 requests a day, right? And that's, that's not actually a lot. You can simply do that, right? But from my experience, the accept rate is about 20%. So if you if you send 10 mess messages a day, then two people will likely to accept, right? And that's okay. But these are the two people from the companies that you are very interested in, right? And then when you also send out some messages to them, well then, again, if you write a really good, concise, powerful message to them, reply rate is about 20% as well. It's not like, you know, again, they don't like to reply back to you. It's just, they're just busy. They're stuck with something else. But again, 20% is fine too. So that's a good number that you get to really play with, right? And now you have two companies and 10 LinkedIn requests that, that you do every week. Then if you calculate that per month, that's eight companies, 40 requests per month. And then we talked about 20% accept rate, which means every week you understand uh, I'm sorry, every month you understand eight companies in and out and really, really well. Their business model, their growth plans, and the products and services. And now you have direct connection with eight people, 
from these companies with uh, that 20% exit rate that we talked about, right? So now from the long list, now you have actual people that you get to talk to directly. And now before you never really had that access, but now because of that activities, you have access with the hiring managers or the founding team members or the recruiters or head of departments of these companies. That's to me, it's very powerful. And trust me, when people reach out to me and with a really good message, it's 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 very powerful. And then we get to we we tend to respond to that really well. Right. So this is great. So essentially, you're saying one of the things people are always worried about or believe that they have no choice is that oh, I don't know anybody in all of these places, so therefore I will never get a chance. And if I send my resume through the you know website, anyway, it's going to get ignored. But you're saying that you can just cut through all of that. You make your own network, which is, uh, you know, research these two companies a week and reach out to a few people, which you can find from LinkedIn anyway. As long as you are sending a genuine, sensible, well-crafted message, you will get some response. And based on that itself, you'll start building a network in that company, which then improves your chances of obviously getting hired or at least getting shortlisted in those places. So I think this is fantastic. And given that this is from a recruiter, not from a hiring manager or, or someone else, I think this is uh, good feedback, Andrew, and something that people can definitely just do versus hoping that uh, someday they'll be found. Absolutely. And like, you know, I still remember a couple of candidates very early, you know, Uber days, they sent, us, they sent me like a very short video, you know, clip, why they're interested in Uber and, and why they wanted to join this company, that really stands out, right? And they reach out to me on LinkedIn and they just ping me on, on LinkedIn directly. And they say, yes, I know that you guys are looking into Vietnamese market and I'm here and I can definitely help you grow the business. And this is who I am. I, who I am. And then this is something that I've done before. That really catches your our you know, attention, right? And we definitely want to spend time getting to know that person. And that encourages your chance you know, compared to other people who just basically do exact same thing that, you know, most people do, right? Yeah, so this is great because what you illustrated is the person is proactive. They're creating an opportunity which doesn't exist, which is they reached out to you as a cold outreach. Second is they made a video, so maybe that stands out a little bit. But third, they're not waiting for a role to be posted and then applying along with thousand other people. They're saying that, hey, we know that you're interested in Vietnam and I'm here and I can do all of this stuff. So if you need a person like me, then I'm ready and willing, which I think is fantastic. It's really good learning. Sure. And as you also know, I mean, for a very early stage startup, they don't really have a very set sort of headcount planning. Yeah. Right. Because their business model changes every every week or every month. Right. Or some, like maybe even every day. So they, it's, it's not really concrete. A lot of things are very still up in the air. But when we meet fantastic candidate, we always think, okay, how can we use this person for our company, right? Although the role is not uh, confirmed or clear, but if the person is super good and the person really shows us the right characteristics and, and the culture fit, well, then we will figure out how to invite this person to our company. So again, that really increases your chance. So as you said, you need to be very proactive about it. 
And that's what good recruiters do. You know, we don't just wait for inbound CVs to, to arrive, but we actively reach out to the people and start telling our stories. Us, like you as a candidate, you need to do the exact same thing. Don't just wait for headhunters or, you know, companies to reach out to you. You can go to these companies that you're interested and actively tell your stories to the company employees or the hiring managers, recruiters, or even the founders on LinkedIn, right? Again, we have this fantastic tool called LinkedIn. So you need to definitely take advantage of that. Right. Okay. So since you mentioned recruiter, it's I think a good point to also explore a bit. So how does one, if they're proactively reaching out, how do they actually get recruiter interest? Does everybody have to make a video <laughs> to do this? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, let's uh, let's talk about LinkedIn as a tool because pretty much every single recruiter that I know in my network, they live in, you know, breathe on LinkedIn, right? But let me ask you this question. I mean, do you know how long a recruiter actually spends on a one profile, like a LinkedIn profile? I'm guessing maybe like a, just a few minutes, maybe. Few minutes. Right, right. Typically a recruiter, a senior recruiter spends anywhere, anywhere between seven to nine seconds <laughs> on a profile. Seven seconds. Right. Okay. So then now the question is, so then how can you even read everything that is written my profile in seven to nine seconds? I mean, we don't, right? What we do is we try to look for the keywords that we want to, you know, see. So which means if you have the right, right keywords, on your profile, then obviously you will get attention. And recruiters, as I said, they have a lot of different things happening behind the scenes. They have to work with, with their hiring managers. They also have to work with their candidates. They also have to build a process. There are a lot of different things that are happening behind the scene. So the best LinkedIn profile that I personally appreciate is, again, short and sweet, right? And, and the what I really care and what the profess that I really appreciate is the one that has really strong headline in your profile, right? The headline is that I think it, it does allow you to put 120 characters and you can, you see people who put X company, the title and the specialties and whatnot in the title. And this is so important because it gives recruiters immediate sort of understanding of the person's profile, right? And what I do, what I recommend is you put, try to put your hard skills, right, in your profile. And the, the hard skills that the people in your industry will know immediately when they hear those keywords, right? Do not put your soft skills. You know the difference between hard skills and soft skills? Soft skills are the ones that sort of you are born with. You're, you know, you're, you're a people person. You're down to earth. You're a great communicator. I think like you are very nice to work with. I mean, these are these are great, but you don't really put those things in your... Right, because people aren't looking for it that way. Exactly, exactly. But try to put your technical skill sets that people in your industry will recognize and understand right away. And also, if you are actively looking out, you don't put, I am actively looking out on LinkedIn profile. No, right? Yeah. But what you do is you can maybe say, I'm passionate about XX industry or I am seeking new uh, opportunities in this area, right? So by looking at those keywords, recruiters will understand, oh. Yeah, it's like a signal, yeah. Yeah, this person will be open to maybe, you know, have a ch having a chat with me. So the headline, if you don't have a lot of time 
you know, to put a lot of stuff in your profile, try to just spend some time on your headline. How can I make my headline very powerful, right? And under your experience line, where you put the things that you've done in each company, I've seen people writing essays. Again, recruiters don't have a lot of time. They spend seven to nine minutes and nine, seven to nine seconds, right? So try to put just a simple, maybe two, three lines. What you did, what was the result, and what was the impact, right? Because these are the three things that recruiters really care, and they really want to know. The reason why they want to have recruiter phone screen is because they want to understand your job title says such and such, but what exactly did you do? Right. What was the result? How did you do it? And what was the impact, right? And these are the things that they try to dig in. But if you put those things in your profile, recruiters will love you, and they're like, "Oh man, we need to. I need to reach out to this guy, and now I can really get to the point and spend a little more time on more meaningful stuff." Okay, this is uh, very insightful, Andrew. So essentially, you're saying because recruiters, first of all, all recruiters use LinkedIn. Second of all, they only spend a few seconds on your on your profile. So therefore. The headline is important, and try to put the keywords and particularly skill-related kinds of things there. And second is when you're writing your experiences, don't write long rambling things which don't make sense. Just focus on what you did and why it was important, essentially. Exactly. Okay, so now we've got the recruiter's attention, and uh, presumably there's been some conversation, and the resume has has arrived at your doorstep. So what happens inside? Because this is the part that I think. Most people don't understand or realize what is happening because then they feel like they got ghosted. But maybe a lot of things happen. So what's actually happening within the company? Yeah, when you don't really hear back from the company, there are a lot of different things that that are you know happening behind the scene. Especially you know like the early day startups, right? As we said earlier, they're still trying to figure it out, right? Because they thought that okay, maybe we need this ops manager uh, position to be filled right away. But their business maybe you know situation changes, and now instead of going to the particular market, they decided to actually double down on a different market. So now that role is not super you know urgent. But now they all need to because startup you know they don't have a lot of resources. Everybody has to be on this in this project, right? The urgent matter. So because of that, it's more prioritization issue, right? So it's not like they're not interested in you. They don't want to, you know, talk to you, or they don't want to give you any feedback. It's just that internally, they're trying to put on some put off some fire, in, internal fire, right? And also at a startup, there are a lot of sort of internal referrals uh, coming in too, right? And for most cases, internal referrals do, you know, have more sort of weight and more credibility. Right, because someone who's working for my company, our company, thinks that my friend uh, would be a better fit for our team. So then, definitely carries credibility, right? And because of that, some companies they want to put internal referrals more sort of a priority, and and then assess that person first before moving to you know inbound applications or external you know candidates, right? So that could be a, maybe a reason, or maybe sometimes. They just are not super clear on the recruiting process. Meaning, we want to assess you, you know, for this marketing manager role. We thought that if I check A, B, and C, then it's all clear. But after checking A, B, and C, we're still not clear. And now we're thinking maybe we should also ask D and F, right? And they're still trying to figure it out. Again, these are very frustrating for candidates, right? But when you are applying, when you are talking to startups. 
like especially very early day startups. These are sort of the things that you just need to understand. It's not about me, but it's more about them figuring it out, right? So my advice to you is it's okay to follow up. Again, recruiters are super swamped with a lot of different things. Again, like they don't, it's not like they don't want to get in touch with you, just that so many things are you know, surfacing and maybe you are their top priority, like you are top of their list, but because of other urgent issues, just it's uh, being pushed down. But you can maybe send out uh, like a nice, simple message to put it on top of that list again, right? So it's okay to you know reach out and ask them questions. But again, if you don't hear back from a recruiter, what I also do is use LinkedIn. Go to LinkedIn and try to find uh, the hiring manager on LinkedIn. And then just ping the hiring manager and say, I know you guys are super busy and I just want to let you know that I was told to wait, but it's been long and I just wanted to let you know that I'm still very keen. And I know that you guys have might have a lot of different things happening internally, but if you can just let me know, you know your current status, be much appreciated. So it's okay to also just ping the hiring manager so that hiring manager could reply back to you and then also maybe put some pressure on on the recruiter <laughs> to maybe send out some messages to you. Right. I think that's a great tip. And I think what this, my takeaway from this actually is the same thing that makes startups the kind of place to which you should proactively reach out because they haven't quite defined anything yet. So if you proactively reach out, perhaps you can find a role through that process. But that same thing also could work against you, which is because things are not well-defined, they can change all the time. And so therefore you might have to be patient. So it's it's like a double-edged sword here. But I think the benefit of this chaos actually outweighs the downside. Fact is, because things are not well-defined, you can actually get in early into something attractive. And that's what makes it still a worthwhile thing to do. Absolutely, absolutely. And especially for early day startup companies, their job description changes every six six months, right? So you come in as a X role and your job description says you need to do A, B, and C, right? But maybe a couple of months later, A, B, and C don't really matter anymore. <laughs> now you have to do B and F and you need to quickly understand how to get the right resources to get D and F done. So again, a lot of things are very still very fluid and up in the air, not really structured. Mm -hmm. And if you love that kind of environment to, to personally, just to come to this kind of environment, to figure things out and make some, you know, nice process out of this chaos, definitely, you know, early startup is, is very, very fun place for you. Yeah, that's right. So I think maybe just one last question over here. So. Let's assume that they do have a role well-defined, etc. and you're going through the process. What are the things you think startups, maybe there's maybe overgeneralization, but still, what are the kinds of things that startups actually look for, which you can try to highlight in your proactive outreach or maybe even on your resume? Right. I think it's, you know, when, as, we, as we just talked about just now, it's more, it's not so much about, yes, technical skill sets, experience, and these are very important too, but being able to understand how unstructured and how chaos a startup can be, having that expectation set is, so, I mean, setting the expectation is so important, I guess, right? For you first. And then when you reach out to companies, you need to show that you have the right DNA, right? For startup. Startup. 
And nowadays, when I talk to a lot of startups, I think these are a few common things that I, I see. They are looking for people who have grit and hustle. They have growth and learning mindset. They have an integrity and trust. They can think very creatively and innovatively. And they can execute and they can adapt and they're very flexible and they can communicate well. These are some of the common traits that I see when I talk to you know, startups and recruiters, recruiters from startups, right? Again, the technical skill sets are important, but as I said, as we just talked about, things can change. I mean, your job scope might change completely. Before you had A, B, and C technical skill sets, but six months later, you don't need A, B, and C anymore. You need to have a totally different skill sets. But those things that we just talked about, the traits, grit and hustle, growth mindset, integrity and trust, innovative and creative mindset, execution focused, adaptability, flexibility, communication skills. These are the things that will always stay there, although your technical job descriptions might change, right? And then the people that we see who have done really, really well at a startup, like Amit, for example. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for the vote of confidence. <laughs> <laughs> those those uh, traits that we just, just mentioned, right? And these are very, very important traits. And the companies, especially these days, are putting more emphasis on these traits over technical skill sets. Because again, technical skill sets, as we discussed earlier, can be learned, right? Can be trained. But these traits that we just talked about, well, these are the things that you sort of have to come with. Right. So I think in summary, what this means is on your LinkedIn and your resume, perhaps you need to have the hard skills listed because that's the job that people are looking for you to actually do. And that's what you're going to be found for. But through the process, the interview process, you need to demonstrate that you have these soft skills, which are all oriented towards ambiguity, essentially. Like, how can you deal with a fast-moving environment? And that's what you're joining a startup to do. So it's not a big surprise that you should be able to deal with ambiguity and be able to demonstrate that you can do it. Yes, absolutely. And you don't have to wait until you're in the interview process to demonstrate these skill sets. You can even do it even before when you're doing research, when you're reaching out to these companies, you know, representatives and employees, hiring managers, recruiters. You can show them, you know, I'm very creative. I can learn. I have this hustle. I have this greed. I can you know, learn. I can communicate with you really well. I have this integrity. You can show these skill sets even before the official recruiting process actually kickstarts. And that's actually even better for them to have that kind of, of impression of you. Oh, wow, this guy, you know, he reached out to me on LinkedIn. Just it was a cold email, but it was very insightful. And he understands our business really well. And his communication style was amazing. And he was so creative with his message. And I can totally see him grow in this company. Let's have a chat with him. So then this soft skill sets or the traits that we just mentioned, these have been already checked even before the interview process, right? So that's even better. Okay, so that's really interesting. You can actually demonstrate all of this upfront. And actually from the way you were describing how you might kind of present this candidate to the hiring manager, is it that recruiters also sometimes push candidates? Like they aren't just passive, just sitting there, here is a candidate, I enjoy, but you actually push. Absolutely. Because recruiters, good recruiters, good recruiters spend 
in a good amount of time with a candidate, really try to understand the person's passion, desire, and vision. And then we also try to understand what's our passion, our mission, our vision, and can we bridge this, this too? The good recruiters are able to actually do this really, really well, right? So they spend time with the candidate, really understand them, the passion, and they understand the candidate personally better than the hiring manager does, so that the, the things the hiring manager don't really see, recruiters can come in and say, hey, actually, this person has A, B, and C, so we should definitely you know, give him another, another opportunity. Right. Okay, so fantastic, Andrew. I think I got a really good view of the whole end-to-end process. I do think that you have completely nailed the topic of how to get an entry into early-stage startups because you showed us that even for somebody who is coming in cold, has no connections, has no prior experience with these kinds of startups, they can also, with some effort and I guess some hustle, be able to make this whole thing happen. And also, I think you've given a whole bunch of uh, very actionable tips. So just to wrap up, would you like to summarize some of the key points or takeaways, things that people can actually do immediately after this episode to start making a change into an early stage startup? Sure. The few key takeaways here, right? Today, we talked about a bunch of different stuff, but recruiting or like looking for a new career, you really need to wear a hat of this investors sort of point of view, like when you look for companies. And also you need to think how recruiters sort of work and they think and they sort of act. But recruiting in general, whether you're looking for talent, we're looking for a job, to me, it's marketing plus sales. You need to really understand how to market yourself, but you need to be able to sell. And you need to do it very proactively, both of them, right? And don't just wait for companies to come to you or don't just apply to the companies through their job sites. Yes, please do that. But on top of that, you can still proactively reach out to them and then try to tell your stories to them. So always be promoting and selling yourself. And we talked about how to do that earlier. So you do a lot of research and build your own long list and then set your goal, weekly goal, and you know reach out to them and make that meaningful network. And invest, you really have to invest your time right? It doesn't just happen over a day, overnight. You need to spend some time to build a network. When you do this, I can really tell you that you'll be able to build a meaningful network and you'll be able to meet amazing people. And through that experience, you'll be able to really elevate your career to the next level. Perfect. And that's exactly the thought process behind Job Talk to help people elevate their career to the next level. So I think that was a nice point that you made. And Andrew, thank you really so much for sharing all your learning with us. For me, honestly, the biggest takeaway was the need to be proactive and reach out to companies, even if they don't have an advertised need. And it's kind of funny. I mean, all of life seems to be about that, which is how can you be early to the game? And this is no different. You can't just sit back and wait for things to happen. So therefore, Andrew, once again, really appreciate you being here with us. And for everyone listening, thank you so much for tuning in. You'll find the show notes at crazytalk.online and we'll also put in a link to find in case you'd like to you know, continue a discussion with Andrew or you'd like to explore further that way. Do remember to follow or subscribe. And uh, if you like what you heard, Andrew has shared a lot of really good tips. Please show your appreciation with a five-star rating on Apple or Spotify. So thanks again, Andrew, for being with us today. Thank you. We were Andrew and Amit with Job Talk. See you next time.